The last couple of weeks, I've been talking about a message. Last week, I wasn't here. You know why. You gave me a break, and I appreciate that. I've been talking about pressing in, pressing on, and pressing upward, or pressing up. And we already spoke on pressing in and pressing on. Today, we're going to talk about press up. So let's go to Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Since you've stood uh, like about 20 times already, just open up your words right where you're at. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. And the word reads as follows. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, Paul said. I know I'm not perfected. I know I'm still arriving. I'm still there. I'm still being challenged. I haven't perfected this yet, but I strive, I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forget those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord God, that you reveal your principles to us, principles of success here in life, principles, Lord God, where we could move ahead and grow in you and be, and be that blessing that you're calling us to be. Thank you for the examples we see in scripture of these men and women that struggled and they pushed ahead and they pressed and they overcame. And you even show other cases where there were those that refused to press and they fell behind and ultimately they unfortunately did not enter into their inheritance. So I pray for your people today. Give us the power of the press. Remove from us any hindrance, anything Lord God that would keep us from moving forward and moving ahead and moving upward. We'll be careful to give you the glory, the honor and the praise. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ we pray. Amen and amen. Praise God. I shared uh, two weeks ago and also three weeks ago, because this is the third message I'm giving in this series, that the word press means to urge with importunity. It's, you know, it's, this is something very important. This is something vital. Have you ever had somebody say, listen, you need to come here now, right? And say, oh, I'm busy. No, now. It's because it's urgent. So pressing when... When, when Paul was sharing that, that word press, he was talking about driving forth with continued pressure, not letting go, to enforce with earnestness, to seek. And when we seek, it's not just a casual, hey, how are you? Or, you know, we met you know, at, at the train in 34th Street. I haven't seen you in 20 years. No, when you seek somebody out, you'll get on Facebook, you know, you'll Google the person, you'll do whatever it takes, go to the old community, you know, do, do you know what this guy's at or this gal is at? Have you ever sought somebody out? Have you ever sought something out? The word seek in scripture is something that you continuously do over and over and over until you attain it. So that word press means to seek with pressure to bring about a change or a desired or needed result. You don't give up until you see the result. I was, I was uh, listening to a man's testimony. He's a multimillionaire. And he was sharing about his wife. When he first met his wife, he says, wow, 
really appreciate this woman, and I want her to be my wife. So he went up to her, started dialoguing with her. She wanted nothing to do with him. She said, he's too small, he's not my type, and I'm just not interested. So he said, she's going to be my wife. So what he started doing is he started sending her emails, never intrusive, but always very nice, you know. And he's, he's, he stopped short of almost being a stalker, so to speak. <laughs> and he was very careful and conscious about that. So first month, she's not interested. Second, third month, fourth, fifth, sixth month, not interested. So he's saying, man, it's, it's not easy. He spoke to his mom. He said, mom, this is my future wife. He said, well, is she into you? Is she interested in you? He said, no. And, you know, just take kind of two people to make a relationship. And if she's not interested, no, 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 there's, there's something. I, I'm, there's something I'm not seeing. Seven months, eight months, nine months. Her friends would come to, to her say, listen, this guy came to us and he wanted to know who are you, what are your likes. She says, I'm just not into this guy. He's nice, but I'm not into him. After 14 months, 14 months, he says, there's got to be something. He found out that she likes to go shooting. You know, uh, but not, not shooting to kill, <laughs> shooting to be able to compete. The shooting rate? It's not just the shooting rate, but actually to compete. And she was a marks person. So he says, there you go. So he went to school. <laughs> he bought a gun, learned to and then he comes up to her. He says, listen, by the way, how you doing? I have two tickets for the National Gun Show, and over there they're going to be competing and everything. Would you like to go with me? He, actually, no, he didn't tell her. He sent her a text. And in about a minute or two, she responded. He finally found uh, some commonality. But after 14 months. And so they went to the shooting show and everything like that. They got married a year later. Uh, <laughs> talking about perseverance, right? Most people will give up after the first or second attempt. So, well, you know, it's not interesting. People, when you press, there's a different force that gets released. When you press, there are dynamics that kick in that do not exist when you're casual. And Paul was a very, uh, how can I say, he pressed for everything. I mean, when, when he was learning about the law of God, I mean, he studied under the greatest teachers and even, even under Gamaliel, who was like the, the number one Rabboni at that time. And he learned from him and he was passionate and see, he was deceived. He thought that the church was a bad institution. They didn't honor God. So he was even involved in persecuting the church. But when he found out who Jesus was, he said, oh, my God, what a miracle. I mean, what a mistake I've done. Then he turned to God, and now he went 100% after God. I mean, to the point where he ended up in prison. He ended up being beaten. And he, after he got beaten up, he'd shake himself and keep on going and preaching. Several times he was in the sea. One time they lost the ship. I mean, what an what a, what a intense man. He understood, you know, that in order to reach the grace of God, the true goodness of God, the, the inside wisdom of God, you have to press. Say to your neighbor, you need to press. Now, I'm concerned about this generation. I'm concerned about this generation because they're taking the power of the press away from us. Oh, no, no, we should give you stuff. We should give you free stuff. You know, I, I, I understand that politicians, you know, they have platforms that they work on. And I appreciate it. I'm, listen, I'm, I'm all right. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm an independent. 
So sometimes I'll, I like what the Democrat says, sometimes I like what the Republican says. Lately, I don't like what any of them are saying. Anyway. But what, I, what I'm seeing is that if you tell a young person, you don't need to work, you don't need to push forward, you don't need to struggle, it's the same thing as finding a caterpillar, right, that went into its cocoon and stayed there for three months and now is trying to break out of the cocoon. If you go to the cocoon while the caterpillar, who now became a butterfly, and the butterfly is struggling to get out, if you pull the butterfly out while it's struggling to get out, you will kill the butterfly. Yeah. It'll fall down to the floor, or it'll be in your hand, and it'll never be able to fly. Why? Because as the butterfly, the new butterfly, is breaking out of the cocoon, what it's doing, it's struggling, so it's using the new wings. So the new wings, as it opens up, blood starts flowing into the little capillaries, until it's fully uh, you know, inflated, so to speak. And that's when the butterfly can come out and fly. But without the struggle, it'll never fly. <clears throat> and today's generation, unfortunately, we're making a big mistake when we tell our young folk, you don't need to struggle. Struggle is good. Struggle is appreciated. Struggle is good news. I'm going through a hard time. Excellent. Absolutely, because the struggle makes you. It, it, it creates steel in your inner man. It makes you be able to stand up against the jerks, the knuckleheads, the dummies out there that will tell you dumb things. The naysayers that say, you can't do it. Who do you think you are? Well, I know who I am. Just watch me. Watch me go up and up and up, and one day I might have to hire you. I'll give you a job exactly right. Now I won't give you the best one either, because I didn't. You know. You want things easy. Yeah. I remember when I was younger, it, I, I didn't understand this, but it's almost like I just knew that I had to struggle to get stuff, so I would overcompensate. Sometimes I go into interviews, and the person, well, what can you do for you? He says, I'm the man for the job. You need to hire me. You don't understand. If you hire me, I'll do this and this and this and this, and I'll do this and this. I'll go over. I'll come earlier. I'll leave later. Whatever you need. I'm your man. And they would hire me. Meanwhile, I'm saying, when I leave the, the office, ooh, I hope I can make this. See, but you get in, and then, you know, just do what you said you're going to do. One time, they asked me one question, and I spent 20 minutes answering the question. And after the one question, they looked at each other and says, all right, all right, start Monday. But it was in my ability to let them know I'm willing to struggle. I'm willing to work hard. If there's an emergency, I'm not going to run away. The box stops here. And Life is that way, and Paul understood that. But he took it to the next level, because he understood the spiritual realm. He understood that there is true good and true bad. He, uh, you know, evil, better said. So he said, you know, sometimes you're going to have to struggle. Sometimes you have to, you know, in your armor, you'll do all you can. You'll fight, you'll pray, you, you'll struggle. And at the end of the day, there's nothing else to do. And he says, stand. Never give up. Never give in. You keep on pushing and pushing because you and God will be able to overcome. Think it not strange that Jesus himself in the garden of Gethsemane before his transition to the cross, he was sweating, right? Okay, we understand that. There's a lot of stress he's going through. He knew exactly what he was going to have to endure, right? But in the garden, he was sweating so profusely and suddenly capillaries broke. 
within his skin because of the extreme stress and he started bleeding. And there are cases of extreme stress where you can actually start bleeding because capillaries will burst. The, the blood pressure within you rises up so, so suddenly. There are people in extreme stress that have broken their clavicle bone. And Jesus was experiencing such stress at that moment. He said, Father, is there any other way? Can this cup pass over? Think about it, that the Lord Jesus himself in this body experienced such a struggle that he himself said that. And then he says, but not as I will, but as thou will. He submitted to the will of God, the will of his Father, and he went to the cross. But make no mistake about it, he struggled. And you might be going through a struggle now. Well, today, I'm going to go to the book of Colossians. Let's go a moment to the book of Colossians. And we'll read a couple of verses. I don't know if uh, I put it here. Let me see if I put it here. Otherwise, I'll go to my little Bible there. I have a Bible here, this computer. I might not have, so let me go to my computer. But meanwhile, if somebody has a New King James Version, stand up please and read Colossians 1 and just read a couple of verses. Starting from 1? Starting from verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae. Okay, so stop right there. Here we have two apostles, right? Stay with me. Two apostles, and they're sharing revelation. And you have heard Paul in many settings. He went on missions trips, and he was sharing. I mean, they, they would go through sometimes years. They'd spend, spend in different regions. But now he's with another apostle, Apostle Timothy. And they're, they're sharing concepts in the book of Colossians. Now, where are you? Where did he go? Okay, smart man. Now go to Colossians 3. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, Colossians 3, verse 1. Mm -hmm. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourself once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are put off at these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, 
barbarian, Scythian, slave, nor free, but Christ, who is all and in all. All right. Thank you, sir. That's the New King James Version. So now Paul, he's teaching about something that from time to time have been described, which is we are dead in Christ. We have a new life now. So now the things that we ought to desire are not from here, they're from there. Seek the things that are above, not beneath. Let me read the same thing, but in the New Living Translation. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died in this life, and your life is hidden. Your real life is hidden in Christ. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So it says, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. So Paul reveals that even though he's talking to Christians, there are evil things that are lurking within us. Do people, you have issues. That's why we're here, right? We have issues. And the person that doesn't have issues right now, I'm opening the altar so you can repent for being a liar. We all have issues. Every single one of us. Oh, well, Pastor, you have issues? Yeah, lots of them. I constantly have to be in God's presence. I constantly have to ask the Holy Spirit for help. Sometimes I get upset and I want to tell people off. I've been in the pulpit preaching. I just wanted to tell some of you off. I can't do that. It's the wrong setting. We have to seek the things that are above, not beneath. There are things that are lurking within us. Wow. But look at this. He says, put to death the sinful earthly things. Then he says this. Put to death sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. So that means within us, we have the penchant the tendency, the proclivity of going awry. We quickly go to something negative. When we hear news, immediately we say, well, it must be because of this. It must be because of that. We always go to the negative. When somebody tells us something, we always assume the worst. Because it's in us already. We have to rise above that and discern what our emotion is saying versus what reality dictates. And the more we get into a relationship with Almighty God by His Holy Spirit and by the Word, the more discerning our spirit man will be. And Paul says we have to start deciding to discern from above. We have to look at it from the 30,000 foot view. Because there are things that we can't see if we're in the mix. There are things we can't see if we're over here fighting all the time. You have to go above and look and say, okay, hmm, Holy Spirit, what are you showing me about this? What are you telling me about this? Because otherwise, you can get into this very easily. Impurity, lust, evil desires. And then it says, don't be greedy. Most human beings are greedy. It's, our, it's in our nature. Even when we're children, we're greedy. We'll go as a child, right? You get five children together. One toy that belongs to one boy. And the other four will, will fight him to take the toy away. And then once they take it, the parents will say, that's not yours. Because they're inherently greedy. It's just the nature. We're selfish. Today I'm insulting the congregation. Nobody's saying amen. 
They're looking at me and says, this was the wrong week to show up to church. <laughs> yeah, no, we are inherently selfish. What can you do for me? Look, a famous uh, commercial years ago. What, what can you do for me? What's my motivation? Jesus went to the cross, not for himself, but for you and for me. He showed what it is to be selfless. And Jesus is saying, we have to get to the point where we're selfless. And stop being greedy. He says, for a greeting person is an idolater. Do you ever see yourself as an idolater because you're greedy? Greed, oh, I just, you know, I want a little more. When is enough? When will you be satisfied when I get a little more? Never satisfied. We, we are never satisfied. We always want more. Oh, man, when I get the raise, I'll be set. You get the raise a year later, you want another raise because it's not enough. A few months later, right? We make more money, then what we do, instead of saving it, we spend more money. And then we want more. Some people look at the lotto, this week I'm not going to play, it's only 10 million. I'm waiting for it to, to it's 100 million. <laughs> only those that, that uh, do that understood what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, you, so, sometimes you think you're going to get a better shot if it's like 500 million. So you're going to put like 100 bucks on it, but meanwhile, while it was 10 million, you won't play because that's not enough. That doesn't motivate you. But the 500 million, wow, if I have 500 million, I could do a lot of good stuff with that. And it's all based on greed. Because they're lying to you. You're not going to win the lotto. You've been playing the lotto, just saying generally, not, not you. But you, people have been playing the lotto like for 50 years. And what did they win? A free ticket like two times. If you would have saved all that money, you would already have like $100,000 in the bank. But see, they tap onto your greed. What, what do they show you? They show you in the Caribbean, traveling, right? They never show you this, um, you know, you're going to keep on paying us for the rest of your life. They're not going to show you that. That's actually a, 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 it's a type of tax. And you don't realize it's a tax. And you keep on feeding into that, that monster. And even when you win it, they'll take 50% off the top, right? Right, right back to them. And they tap into your greed, and you don't even know it. People, you need to look above. We'll, we'll give $20 a week to Lotto, right, or to other things, but we can't afford to tithe because we don't make enough. Well, I better calm down. I hear groans. I hear groans. I should have preached on Friday and let, let my man here preach today. No, think about it. There's some things that are in us that we have to break and destroy. This is why the tithe is so precious. Because it's always 10%. It's the same. It's the same. If you make 100,000, what's 10% to you? If you make 30,000, what's 10%? If you make a million, what's 10%? It's always the same. You understand? And what's generosity? It's, it's up to you. You see? But if you're greedy, you can't be generous. Because you're losing. You're in a position. Oh, it's not enough. Not enough. God said you've got to fight that tendency. You gotta fight that. If I'm gonna work with you and through you, you have to fight it. Otherwise, I can't work through you. Because you're always gonna resist. See, the flesh fights against the spirit, and the spirit fights against the flesh. Then it says here that because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. I'm gonna say it again. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. 
You used to do these things when your life was still part of the world, but now is the time. Say with me, now's the time. Now is the time. Okay, you asked for it. Now is the time to get rid of anger. Yeah, but God gave us anger. Yeah, but the anger he's talking about here is the uncontrolled anger. You, you, no, but you know, that's just who I am. No, you allowed anger to get the best of you, and then you did something heinous, and now you're paying for it. Yeah. And you want to try to justify it. Well, that's just the way I am. No, that's the way you've allowed yourself to be. Use anger constructively, not destructively. Yeah. Use anger in the sense that, I'm not going to take this, I need to lose 50 pounds. You've got to get angry, otherwise you won't lose the 50 pounds. Yeah. You gotta get angry or you won't stop smoking. Yeah. You won't let go of that addiction until you get angry enough to say enough is enough, right? So there are good constructive ways to use anger. The bully stops when you get angry enough. Because he keeps on poking you and pushing you and pushing you until one day you've had enough. And he says, that's it, I'm not taking it anymore. So he goes to push you, you take his finger and you break it. <laughs> and the bully will not bully you anymore. See, they're, they're, so they're correct applications of anger. But God is saying, do not allow anger to control you. See, and that's the key issue. Every emotion is very empowering. Emotions empowering. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Think about it. What is joy? It's an emotion. When you're happy, something happens within it. It releases strength. When you're angry, it releases strength. Right? When you're sad or depressed, it releases something, a very strong element that binds you. But every single emotion releases strength, some positive, some negative. So the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. So we have to learn how to use our emotions constructively in a way that will bless us and others, not to destroy us. Yesterday, a man lost his life because of emotion. He was so depressed and so overwhelmed by it that he took an airplane and he knew just enough to start it, right, and to make it go fast, right, and then to make it go upward. But once it was up there, he didn't know how to bring it back down. And while he's there, he's talking to the FAA. And he's saying, listen, I'm sorry, I'm a mess, I have issues, I'm a broken man, I know my family's not gonna appreciate what I'm doing here. But unfortunately, he couldn't land the plane and he ended up dying. Emotion. If you're not careful, emotion will tell you what to do all of your life. And the Bible says we are called to live by faith, not by, not by sight. Because if I'm moved by what I see, I will respond to what I see. But if you have an internal understanding, an internal vision, when I'm going through the difficult time, I say, it's all right. Well, let me put my emotion to the side because my emotion is not my friend right now. My emotion is going to take me to a dark place. It's going to take me to a dangerous place. I need to overwhelm this emotion by knowledge and wisdom and understanding and discernment. Right? Well, you, some of you practice that all the time. You don't like your boss, but, you, but yet when your boss comes and plays the fool, you have to stand there and smile. Okay, okay. 
All right, we'll get it done. Meanwhile, what you want to do is say, listen, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're doing. You shouldn't even be working here. You want to say it, but you won't. You know why? Because that emotion will take you to unemployment. So we already are practicing this. We're already exercising this, but we need to take it now in every area of our life. Because the enemy comes from time to time to attack us. He comes time to time to tempt us. Make no mistake about it, the enemy comes to tempt each and every one of us. And he does so in seasons. He doesn't do it continuously, but in seasons, he'll come. And usually he comes when you're most susceptible. Vulnerable. Oh, I like that. Vulnerable, tired, hungry, sleepy. Oh, yeah. All these times could be an open door for the enemy to come and get you to do something you would not have done otherwise. Didn't he go to Jesus? See, Jesus' life is a model for us. First thing he did before he went out to do ministry, he went to where? The desert to what? To be tempted of the devil. He had to, because he had to do everything as a human. He had to experience everything that a human experienced in order to be the perfect sacrifice. Right? So while he's there, what does the devil come uh, come throw at him? Come on, come on, you theologians. What's the front? Right, exactly. Exactly. Are you hungry? If you're hungry, you know, you have the power to do this. So he was trying to manipulate him, and Jesus did what? He stood the test. He threw the word right back at him. Right? And three times he was tested. Three times. And then the Bible says he left him for a season. See, so there are times where you see that, you know, things are quiet. Other times, all hell is breaking loose, right? Because there's seasons that he comes. And when these seasons come in, you need to discern it. Most people go, oh, man, I don't know why these things are always happening to me. Excuse me, discern what's going on. Look upward. Amen. Hallelujah. Because if you don't look upward, then you only have left what you're seeing around you. Most of the time, the stuff that's around you that's happening is not the real issue. It's not the real... Oh, what's the word? The, the, the real beginnings or, or the real genesis of it. It's usually a smoke screen. That's good. I like that. And if we don't discern it, we'll fall right into it. And Paul was saying you have to let these things go. Some things you have to let them go. Some things you have to put to death. They're not allowable in a Christian's life because they will destroy you. And they never just destroy you. They always destroy people around you or affect and hurt people around you. He says, so stop letting anger get the best of you. Stop letting rage get the best of you. Get rid of it. Get rid of malicious behavior. Get rid of slander. See, malicious behavior, what does that mean to you? Malicious behavior. Conniving. Hmm? Conniving. Gossip, okay, okay. Malicious behavior. Malicious behavior could be a bunch of things. And it's also a legal term. It has an intent. But there is an intent, and that's the key. Malicious behavior. Most of us, and I'm saying generally, not in this church. It's the church across the street that does that. In this church, we don't do that. Most of us spend more time planning how we're going to get back at people than actually planning our future. That's right. That's right. 
we're constantly calculating. Get that person. Get that person. Right? We have to be careful, people of God. We have to reject malicious behavior. And this is how I live. Just give you an example. The Holy Ghost lives in me. So it doesn't make a difference whether or not you realize it or catch my mistake. I know that the minute I sin, and I know it. I know when I sin. And I know the Holy Spirit's in me. So I immediately have to go. I say, Holy Spirit, I'm so sorry. I blew this. Help me, because I'm kind of I'm kind of upset right now. And these are the type of prayers we have to have with the Holy Spirit. You don't have to be religious. When you get upset, yay, Holy Spirit, uh, I need you to come down right now uh, and cleanse my soul. Uh, I'm having an issue in my mind. Uh, I'm right out now to slap somebody down. Uh, and I can't contain myself. Uh, but if you were to help me, if you were to give me the strength I need, uh, I would be able to resist the temptation. I don't think even God himself would listen to that. That would be hypocrisy. That would be hypocrisy. Because my wife said, hon, we need milk. Yay, Gwendolyn. I'm too tired. I'm not going to go to the store right now. You should have asked me two hours ago. I just passed by the store. What's the matter with you? Asking me at 11 o'clock at night. Shouldn't you told me three hours ago? My wife would get on the phone, 911. My husband's done broke his emotions or something like that, right? He's gone crazy. Right, I mean, come on. If I talk to you that way, wouldn't you think I have an issue? <laughs> Many times we pray to God that way. Now, listen, I, I, I want to qualify. I understand that there's culture, and there's, there's ways that people pray. I understand that. And in church we pray a certain way. We, we become, it's almost like a culture. But I'm saying this, is when you pray to God, you don't have to get fancy. That's what I'm actually saying. I'm not telling you to stop praying the way you pray. Because I come from a Hispanic background. And we don't pray that way. See, I'm a New Yorkerican. So I was raised in New York, and I have a hybrid culture, even of church in me. I have friends of mine that are from Caribbean church, or, or, or majority Caribbean church, majority Spanish. I have Korean churches that I fellowship with, especially during my days in Promise Keepers. So I know, I know the, the cultures that are within the church, but I understand their culture. But don't pray culture to God. Just be yourself. And if you have to pray it in Spanish, he understands your Spanish. He understands your English. He understands your Portuguese. Whatever it is, he understands. But pray from your heart. And ask Holy Spirit to help you. Holy Spirit, I need your help right now. Sometimes you can't even talk. Sometimes you've got to go, oh, if you don't help me now. Oh. I've been there. But that's all I've been able to pray. It's come out as, oh. Yeah, Holy Spirit knows exactly what I'm asking. <laughs> Glory to God. We've got to seek upward, people of God. People of God, if we don't do that, what happens is we will get eaten up by the system. 
And Paul was challenging us. He says, these very things that we take for granted, that's the way I am. No, don't take it for granted anymore. There are things lurking within you that if you don't watch it, you can be your own worst enemy. This message will go down in history as the least amens ever. <laughs> Praise God. Can, can I have one amen? Amen. Thank you, thank you. I, uh, that's, that was good, that was good. Thank you, I appreciate that. Then it goes on to say, slander. What's slander? When you talk bad about somebody else? A, a slander is a lie, legally, right? If, if somebody uh, um, basically sues somebody else for slander, it's, it's a lie. But yet we do that all the time. We assume always the worst, or it's almost like humanity has this weird penchant, this tendency of wanting to see horrible things. We desire that. It's just, it, we don't even think about it. It's subconscious. Think about it. When you go to work in the morning and suddenly the traffic is bad in a place where it shouldn't be bad and then you're passing by on the other side notice I said the other side the other side, not where you're at it's free, it's free, I gotta get to work guys, come on, right? But on the other side there's an accident and you're stuck for another half hour and you're going slowly, slowly finally you get to the root issue and the root issue, there was an accident over here and the people stopping to see what happened there? Oh, yeah, right. Whoa. We can't help ourselves. So we need to see tragedy. What are all the newspapers making money off of today? And the worse it is, it goes to first page. The church celebrated and gave a thousand uh, I mean, dinners and, and a thousand backpacks and, and, and fed 500 people. Page 29. And not even a picture, it's in fine print. If, that's even, even if so much. See, so we have to break them and see clearly. I saw a movie years ago called The Matrix. And we are in a matrix. It's in a sense, in a matrix. We have, we're living in a place that's already set up for us, there's an agenda, and even the news, to, to a great extent, plays part in the matrix. They tell you how you need to think. They tell you when you need to feel sad and bad and angry and upset. And so we need to rise above and see what's really happening. Otherwise, we'll live a life that somebody else wants us to live. We'll never excel. We'll never do the will of God. We'll never accomplish anything because we're always, you know, it's like, we're, we're like uh, that other movie. Emotech. Emotech. You know, <laughs> the mummy, the mummy, old version mummy. So the, you know, they're, they're like, they're caught up with that curse and all the like they're following one after another. Come on, guys. So we're not really doing anything that God called us to do. We're just following a system, following a system. You've got to get to a quiet place. You've got to seek God and say, God, who am I? What am I called to do? And you're going to watch. God's going to start showing you things and you're going to go, oh my God, I did not know that. Oh my God, I didn't realize that. Wow, how much time I've wasted. But listen, I don't want you to feel bad. I want you to get excited. Yeah. You know why? If you realize who you really are in Christ, then like Paul said, you let go of the past and pursue the call of God in your life. And God will make up for you 
what you didn't do years past. And sometimes he'll accelerate for you Amen. his will and purpose in your life. Amen. And the things you didn't do in 10 years, you'll be able to make it up in five years or four years or three years or two years. Come on, somebody. Give him some praise. Hallelujah. So, so as Paul is sharing, we've got to get rid of this. Don't get into, you know, if I hear slander, I'm saying, well, where'd you get that from? Where'd you hear it from? The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that the first person speaks and it seems right until the other person shares their part. So there's always three sides to the story. Because we're all biased by nature. But the third one, you've got to get somebody from the outside to look in and say, well, maybe you're looking at it this way, maybe you're looking at it that way, and, and maybe it's not fact. Today, I am sure that most of the political intrigue that we are seeing in the news played out today, I'm sure most of it is not true. It's all stirred up. I mean, not all, but a portion of what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's hyperbole. Some of it is hyperbole. But it's meant to, unfortunately, rile us up. So we have to learn how to discern. Be thinkers, people. Be critical thinkers. And then Paul said this. He said, get rid of dirty language. Oh, see? See? Now I'm meddling. That means that you have to throw out probably the majority of the songs that you're listening to. Yeah, some of the songs we hear are terrible. Even some Christian songs are terrible. They're not cursing, but they say, oh, how horrible I am. Oh, how horrible I am. I'm a worm. I'm a mealy worm. I'm so horrible. How could God love me? Get out of here. Man. I, want to, I want to sing songs that are full of faith. Yeah, some songs I, I, I was singing them for years, and when I finally listened to what I'm singing, I said, oh, my God, I'm not singing that anymore. Who thought this up? They must have been in a depression mode when they made it or created it. We have to be careful. Things up, even, and I shared this with you in the past, but for the sake of those that haven't heard it before, even my mom, she told me years ago, she said, the Nazarios are crazy. And it was based on the fact that, you know, my dad, he was a tough guy. And he was raised in a culture that if you have to fight it out in Puerto Rico, you get machetes. And you fight it out with machetes. And so she knew about it because she also came from a, the similar area. So she was like, oh, you Nazarios, you're crazy. And she would say that all the time. And then when I started learning the word, and I started learning what the word said of me, of my future, and how I have to be careful of the things I say, you know, not just generally, but about myself also. One day I told her, I said, Mom, I'm sorry, I don't receive that anymore. Please don't say that anymore about the Nazarios. We're not crazy. We're wonderful people. We're honorable people. We're hardworking people. I'm a man of God, and uh, I don't want to hear that anymore. I'm sorry. Don't say that anymore in front of me. I said, well, fine. <laughs> she said it in Spanish, though. And, uh, but, you know, she never said that again. And, and then I explained to her why. He says, you can't say that. You're, you're speaking to the next generation. Don't tell me I'm worthless. Don't tell me I can't do it. You know, uh-uh. Don't, don't curse my life that way. I can do all that God called me to do. So we have to be careful in how we speak to each other. How we, you know, we, we have to make sure we don't curse each other. We need to bless. The Bible says bless each other. I don't like that person. Well, go up to him and bless him anyway. You can see that the blessing of God comes upon you. And you might heal something. You might break something in the spirit that needs to be broken. Praise God. But we have to 
Well, all the friends, all my friends curse. So? And so they throw themselves off. My father would always say, you think, what, if, you, if they throw themselves off the roof, you're going to throw yourself off the roof too? Come on, you don't follow people just because they're saved. And, and then the next thing is, if you're going to go, like, like for example right now, Mia, she's, she's going to university. She can't go to, in the future, she, she has a patient, right? Mia, you got a patient. You can't go to the patient when you give them the diagnosis. Yo, you know what I'm saying? What I'm saying is that, you know, you, you, you're not looking good. You know what I'm saying? You, 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 you can't talk that way. You know what I'm saying? You have to be clear. You have to you laugh. Well, yeah, that sometimes that, we have to train and get better. Always do better. That's the way it was last year. But don't stay the same way. Keep on growing. Praise God. So you can be a better witness. You know, a better ministry, better business, and in anything you do, better preacher, better teacher. Always strive to do better. She needs to go up there and say, well, here's the prognosis. We made some tests. And, you know, and then be articulate about it and clear about it. Yes. And then they'll be able to understand you. You go to an interview, you, you talk that way, unless, of course, you, you, you're going to be part of a rap group. <laughs> if you're going to be part of a rap group, then it's all right. Then that's the culture. I mean, I, no hate there. I, that's the culture. You know what I'm saying? Oh, that's the guy. Come on, come on, come on. Yeah, because that's the culture. But in most areas, you have to be articulate. So that... <laughs> it depends on the profession. Exactly. Right, right, right. But we have to stay away from cursing. Physical cursing, speaking words that are just downright negative. Right? And the, cur and the other type of cursing, which is... You, you, you desire bad to somebody else's life. See, what you sow is what you reap. So if you curse others, guess what's going to happen? You're going to open up a door for somebody to curse you. And it'll be an open door. There won't be any hindrance to it. If somebody tries to curse me, that will fall right to the ground. You know why? I'm not cursing others. I am blessing others. But if I'm going around cursing other people, and listen, I was raised by good curses. <laughs> I mean, these people knew how to curse on a dime. And they curse, I mean, in, in, in harmony. <laughs> I'm serious. I still remember the, the words. And some of them are actually very funny. <laughs> they would stub their toe. <laughs> and you learn it. <laughs> I know you're laughing because you have family just like that. But we have to reject that. And we, we have to start speaking like Jesus spoke. And the more we learn about the scripture, the more we'll talk like Jesus. We'll, we'll empathize like Jesus. We'll respond like Jesus. We'll emote like Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. And there's a whole bunch more. So you, I got to give you homework. You got to go home and read all of Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Or rather, actually the whole chapter. Read it in at least 20 different versions. Just joking. <laughs> New King James is good enough. But I'm, I'm reading New Living Translation so I could, you could see um, a more up-to-date view on what are some of the things we need to reject. And then it says the last one here. Actually, Barry says dirty language. Stay away from dirty language. Don't lie to each other for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and its wicked deeds. So when we lie to each other, that's a wicked deed. Put on your new nature. How do you put on your clothing in the morning? Hmm? You just do. Well, 
God is telling us right now, we have to put on our new nature. When you're first saved, you're born again. Your spirit's born again. You're accepted in heaven, but you're still a mess. You don't know how to pray. You don't know the word. You're new. You're brand new. And that's understandable. But we have to put on the new nature, and that takes time. And how do you do that? Every day, studying the word, praying, learning about him. Here on Sunday, coming to Wednesdays, Wednesday prayers. Put on the new nature. What's a new nature? And with that, I'll finish. Be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him in this new life. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised. Then it goes on. We, we did that one. Now go to verse 12. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with what? Tender-hearted mercy. That's the new nature. Tender-hearted mercy. Kindness. Oh my God, I said that to New Yorkers. Yeah, some of us New Yorkers have trouble being kind. We have to be kind to each other. This is not very encouraging preaching, but it's my job to share it with you. Why is it that we have to be nasty with each other? Why? In the train. I go on the train. So many nasty people. How you doing? Wow. And all I did was say hi. I look at them. You looking at me? You looking at me? Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. If you pass by somebody in the, in the highway because you want to get you know, to your exit, you pass them, they get angry, and they'll run quickly to you with a car, pass by you, and give you yes. the finger yes. sign. <laughs> and you can't hear them because their window's down, but their mouth is going at 100 miles an hour. So you know, you know they're saying choice things. Why? Why do we have to be that way? And, and guess what? You know what I've seen lately? A lot of ladies doing it now. Usually it was all guys. But now the ladies are doing it. And they're getting out of the car and running to you and beating on the window. I said, really? All I need to do is breathe on you and you're gone. Yeah, small, but really angry. And cursing and the whole thing. And I go, oh my God, we're in trouble. People, we need to reject that. That's not pleasing to God. I don't know how to share it with you any clearer. Maybe if I speak tongues for half an hour, you might get it. <laughs> but no, this is not the will of God. It says, where are we? Where are we? Where are we? Uh, okay. Humility, gentleness, patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. Oh my God. We're in a generation right now that if you make a mistake, you're going to go to jail. Because they're going to make sure they err. Or you're going to lose your job. Where, where did we, why did we get to that point? Why did we allow ourselves to get to that point? I have to make allowance for you. You're going to mess up. And so am I. We have to make allowances for each other. Love each other. When you buy a friendship, somebody shared this with me years ago, and it's so powerful. When you buy a friendship, you buy the whole field. So when you have a field, you have the flowers, you have the trees, and you also have the rats. And you have the weeds and the bold weevils and whatever else is in that particular field. 
So when you buy a friendship, you buy the good, the bad, and the ugly. Oh, nobody's listening to me now. So any enduring relationship, you're going to have to go through difficult times. And I tell everybody I'm in a relationship with, and all of you know what I do. You got to let me offend you. The quicker you allow me to offend you, now we can get into the real friendship. Don't I say that all the time? Because that's where the real friendship comes. When we can be truthful with each other. And get angry, and then afterwards go have some coffee. I've been married 40 years. And the reason why I've been married 40 years is because we've learned to practice that. To argue, fight, and then get to common consensus, forgive, and keep on walking. That's the way it works. It's not a one-time thing. Oh, you made it past 10 years, you're going to ride smooth for the rest of your life. Lies. We're going to continue to have issues. Every friendship, every relationship, in church. I don't like going to church. Some people have issues. Well, guess what? It worked. It's the same thing. Your family, same thing. In the building where you live, same thing. You know why? It has nothing to do with the church. It has all to do with humans. We have issues inside of us. And Paul is saying you need to deal with those issues. So you can really move ahead. Praise God. So I challenge you, read the rest of the chapter. Because I, I, I don't like your faces right now. <laughs> you're looking at me, you're going, yeah, 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 yeah. Praise God. Pastor, time's up. You preached enough. Amen. I agree. <laughs> I preached enough. I think I've gotten the message through. It says the, the greatest of these is love. Bottom line. When we love each other. We can break through the differences. And then guess what? We'll be able to appreciate each other's differences. We'll be able to appreciate your strength, my strength, and help ourselves, help each other in our weaknesses. Because we all have them. I'm strong in one way, but I'm weak in another. And my team helps me. I was just Wednesday. I was in Long Island. I was doing a big, overseeing a big prayer thing. It was wonderful. Except I was doing it all. Because the other people couldn't make it. So I was doing it all. The whole seismic prayer, long on. Big, big, beautiful song. Guess who came to help me? Brother James. Brother James. I said, brother, you're going to stay with me right here. We went to the back with all the pastors. He's right with me. We, we went to eat together. We, right there with me. Was, we were in the front two seats. And I said, James, I need you to hold these papers. Every time I ask you for this paper, you're going to give it to me because I need to put the people to pray. And I need to be focused on this and you do that, right? He said, yes, sir. We worked it together place. I mean, it was wonderful. It was anointed. Went off without a hitch. Everybody at, at the end said that we really appreciated it. Had a great time. I said, James, thank you. <laughs> he went out of his way and he helped me in my weakness. That's right. That's why right. you normally is here Wednesday helping Minister Cynthia and we pretty much kicked you to the curb to help me. No, listen, I appreciated it. Because if it wasn't that way, there was no chair there, no, no table there. I couldn't put the papers there. It was in church. There was nothing to put the stuff on. So he basically had to go. I said, I knew another one. James, I mean, he's on point. Appreciate it. And that's the way we have to be with each other. So thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you. 
for the instruction you give us, my God, in Scripture. And Lord, we thank you during times like this when we can look at our own lives and we can consider what are the things we're doing right and what are some of the challenges where we have to look more carefully at how we've been responding or reacting to, to things, my God. Help us, Lord God, to come higher that we might press upward and start letting go of things that have been part of our nature but that don't bring you glory, that have been part of our old nature which have only tended to bring scenarios that would not be beneficial to future and destiny. So I pray for your people this moment that you would open up the eyes of their understanding in their own individual lives that they might be able to see the things that they need to put to death, the things that they need to reject, the things that they need to put on. Help us, Lord God, to wear the new nature by your grace, because it, it can only be by your grace. We thank you that you're always with us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you live in us and that you help us each and every day. So, Father, I submit your people in your hands, giving you the thanks, the grace, the glory, the honor. I, I thank you. I praise you because you're with us. I thank you because we're overcomers only by your grace. Thank you that you called us to do great things in life. Thank you that you give us a legacy, that you give us, my Father, a future and a destiny and an inheritance. We praise you for it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.